back to the vibe. I'm really stoked to share this 99th episode with you guys because it's something I've never talked about before with someone who I've become very close with. I'm super stoked to introduce to you my dear friend, Corey. We're gonna dive deep on life, specifically being an organ donor. Corey and I have both lost parents. I believe we're both Sagittarius and above all homies, but also we're each other's soundboard when we kind of feel like other people aren't understanding the challenges that we face. Fast forward eight years, Corey and I have remained beyond close. I probably have deeper conversations with him than certain best friends. And ultimately someone who stays in touch with me is someone who I'm always gonna keep around because that's a priceless person. This episode is gonna be really different from the rest and I'm super stoked to share it all. Cor, I would love if you could introduce yourself. <laughs> What's up, Lex? Hi, Thank you for having me and for the lovely introduction. I am so honored and grateful for the opportunity to be on your show. And um, like you said, we've really been there for the bumps and bruises down the road. And yes, we both are Sagittarius, which is why I think that we definitely bond and have a similar mindset on things. Um, but we've also been around for pretty epic times and great laughs. Um, you know, just to kind of get into the vibe mindset. Today, I walked past um, the old hotel. I think it was a hotel or apartment where you had the yoga studio where I first took your class oh God, years yeah. ago. And um, the rooftop. You know, just just yeah just to reminisce um but anyway my name is Corey zaretsky i currently live in new york city and i publish a luxury lifestyle and travel magazine but um specifically here today to talk about organ donation and some pretty cool things i'm about to do to promote awareness and encourage potential donors to help save people's lives while living out their own awesome i love that would you give everyone like a little walk down your life because it's kind of for people who don't know you, who just see you on the outside, they'd have no fucking idea that like you have gone through a lot. And I would love if you would talk about it because I feel like I'm always sharing my crazy ups and downs of life, but yours is one that you've handled in such a, for so much loss, you've handled it in the most positive way. So I'd love if you could get into that before we get into what we really want to get into. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, you know, I grew up in New Jersey with a very tight-knit family, um, had both of my parents, had a bunch of dogs, a cat, and my younger brother, Maddie. Mm -hmm. um, throughout my life, I was always kind of the healthy one, if you will. Mm -hmm. My mom was diagnosed with lupus when she was pregnant with my brother. Uh, my dad had a few heart attacks when I was growing up, and my brother was born with a rare genetic disease um, called nail patella syndrome, which impacts a tons of, um, of different parts of your body but the biggest malady of the disease is kidney disease. So from birth, um, you know, it was always a known thing he was gonna suffer from kidney failure and there was gonna be, you know, obstacles to overcome as a family. And, you know, there's always been health things, you know, from various family members of mine and I've kind of developed almost this superpower, if you will, of a coping mechanism yeah. um, in terms of being, you know, just hyper supportive um, you know, for my family members. And it was almost like um, me being the even keeled one who would do anything to ensure the well-being of my family, whether that was in a physical sense or a mental sense, or even just being kind of, you know, the goofy jokester, prankster of the family to try to lighten the mood. Right. So, um, you know, I know from, you know, conversations you and I have had through yeah. the years that this is definitely a superpower that we both possess, totally. uh, you know, and we've definitely talked each other off the ledge several times a over lot. the past few years. <laughs> I'm like a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, it's, um, one of those things that, you know, growing up, um, despite, 
you know, all of these various different, um, you know, traumatic experiences, um, you know, my parents and my brother and I, we've always kind of looked at things with a very optimistic um, mentality. And we've always tried to find the humor um, and the light in some of the darkness and as heavy as these things can be and as serious as they are, we've always kind of found a way to kind of laugh through it. I love that. And you really led me into what I was going to say. You actually really answered it. But I was going to say, like, we obviously know how precious life is, especially you. Like, obviously, with a family like yours, having this mindset is obviously amazing. But were you ever inspired by, like, anybody else in the world that you were like, they've done this for their family and I want to be like, you know, like, I'm literally throwing this one out there just because Michael Phelps, like, like, let's just pretend just so just somebody out there that you're like, Oh, that the way that they handle that is the way I want to handle things in my life. Was there anyone that you ever like looked for for not looked for for inspiration, but you were like, I'm going to be as optimistic as X, Y, Z. Like I am going to. Well, and that's, that could, be, that that's could also be like your dad. Like, that could be because, um, you know, I would say almost the reverse in the sense of I've always known who I didn't want to be yeah. versus who inspired me to be a certain way. So, you know, there have been people who have come and gone in my life and people who are mainstays in my life now who I won't mention by name, but they've always been more on the pessimistic side. And you can see how that kind of envelops your mind and really negatively um, impacts your outlook each day. And I always knew that I didn't want to wake up every morning with that mindset. And, you know, there are things that, come you know that interrupt that might not be in your control but at the same time you know you can attempt as hard as you will to control the way you are visualizing these things that they're occurring um so you know there was that side and then um denzel washington is my favorite actor so I'm, in the movie, wait Jim- the craziest thing is i used to party with his son malcolm which is so crazy that you mentioned denzel. well that's pretty sick yeah um, so too. you know <laughs> The movie John Q, yeah. when his son needs a heart transplant, yeah. which funny enough, I'm talking about organ donation here, and he is literally doing anything he can to get his son this transplant. Like, I always viewed, you know, that kind of determination to do whatever um, is necessary for your family um, and the people you care about as something that struck me um, as how, you know, I would live my life. Because there's really nothing I wouldn't do for my family or for my friends, people that I really, truly care about. I mean, I don't think I would hold a hospital hostage, but right. at the same time, <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, would go all out within the uh, realms of the law. So that's amazing. I, you know, I just feel like when people are so loving and empathetic and giving the way that you are, obviously, it's amazing to hear that you knew that what you didn't want to be which obviously makes you what you want to be. But also I always think it's really interesting to see who, what and who inspires people to like morph them into who they want to become. And I think that that, that John Q story really says it in itself and is a perfect transition to what I'm going to say next. So I am an organ donor, but I'll never forget getting my license at age 16 and my mom being like, you are not becoming an organ donor because if you get in a car accident and you're near death, they're not going to save your life. And I'm not kidding. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's my choice, obviously. But I'll never forget for, like, until, like, I finally got my license, it being, like, an argument. And I my argument was, well, if I die, someone's going to need something for me. And my mom was like, 
but if you're close to death, they're just going to let you die. And I was like, but that's like, I was so young, obviously 16 years old. I'm 31 now. But like, I remember, I guess maybe because I lost my dad at such a young age being like, but if that's what happens, somebody else needs it. And like, that is the cards that I was like, we're all dealt with a set of cards. We don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And I remember that being like, being like a big, big deal. She was like, you're my baby girl. Like, I can't let that happen. So what is your thought on that process? Cause I'm sure every parent has that talk with their kid when they get their license. Cause that's the first time you really see like, should I be an organ donor or not? Like, I actually don't know what other time in my life before that was I asked that question. Yeah, absolutely. And I have had that conversation with my family as well. Uh, um, Mainly because I always knew, um, based on my brother's disease, that one day he was going to need a kidney. And I always knew that mine was coming out, whether it was going to go to him or it was going to go to someone else, which I'll kind of explain a little bit later um, how that process works. Um, I always knew it was going to come out. So by saying on my license that I was willing to be an organ donor, uh, donor, it kind of took the control of where that organ would go. God forbid something happened to me. Yeah. Um, but that said, um, I think it's incredibly admirable for people to list themselves as organ donors on their driver's licenses. God forbid something tragic happens, you're making yourself available to save someone's life. And, and mind you, giving- I talked to multiple cops about this when I was getting it, and oh, all yeah. of them said to me, they were like, if you're on the edge of death, like we're still going to try to revive. Right. Like I remember going yeah. to my, my mom being like, I like, cause I really believed like, I was like, God forbid, like, again, my dad passed away. So like, what if something could have happened for him? Hey, you, Hey, what if something could have, like someone could have helped him, whatever. And I remember us talking to a cop once and them being like, no, 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 no. We will do whatever it takes to like revive your life. But Right. Obviously, if it's non-revivable, we're going to take the what you've got and we're going to give no, it exactly. to it. I mean, listen, it is, uh, it's it's part of the, the doctor's oath to save you first. Totally. You know? But it's interesting so, as a parent because it's the first time, I think, as a parent that your kids are still under 18 that you don't have a choice. Like, your kid can right. say, like, they're the ones going to the driving test. Like, that's, like, uh, the first time yeah. I felt, like, response, besides, like, working, responsibility of being like, no, well, if I get an accident and I die, eh, this could, I could be giving away everything. <laughs> no, definitely. And it's tough, of course, because, you know, there are things that make people uneasy with this yeah. because of the lack of control that parents may have. Um, and then also, you know, there's religious reasons, whether it's, you know, things with burial and other yeah. religious aspects that come into play here. But, you know, there's a reason why you're able to make this decision when you get your driver's license. And that's because, you know, society, at least in America, believes that you are mature enough to make that decision on your own. And to donate is to give an incredible gift. And, um, you know, there is a major issue um, in regards to both the availability of organs and the perception to donating organs, not just in America, but in the world in general. Totally. So... You know, it's important when people, um, you know, make themselves available in the sense of, you know, with the mindset of, look, if something happens to me and, you know, I'm no longer here, at least I'm making myself of service to help somebody else. hundred percent. A hundred percent. So that actually leads me right into what I want to say. You're just the best. 
give us like the facts and what's up with organ donation and how many people are qualified what's the top reason people are not organ donors how long is the recovery when you do donate an organ like i want to know like what that whole like like the process like let's pretend i did decide i want to give my kidney i also would love to know if you know the facts of how many people in this world are organ donors and aren't great um, yeah, for sure. So, you know, like I said, there's a major issue regarding the perception of donating an organ, yeah. um, which is also tied to the issue, the issue of the need for organs. Um, and the list of people who are in need increases every single day. So um, in March of 2022, there were 106,000 people waiting um, for organs in general in America um, with additions every 10 minutes. Wow. Of that, of the 6,000, 91,000 were waiting for kidneys. Oh my God. So um, each year, 6,000 people die waiting for an organ donation, which is about 12 people per day. And that's only in America. And that's so, so easily doable, like fixable. Right. And it, the issue is not um, just the fact that there are so many diseases that impact people's organs. Um, I mean, look, like one of the largest comorbidities of COVID is kidney failure. Totally. So um, the big issue, in my opinion, is more so um, the perception of what life would be like if you donate an organ to someone else as a living donor. Yeah. So tell and, us what that is like, and like what, like what was yeah. that like, like what was that like for you? Because I think that's like the thing no one knows about. For sure. And I mean, look, this is the purpose of everything that I'm doing and everything I've done since I donated my kidney to my brother in 2014. Um, because the belief I feel of the collective group is if I donate blank organ, let's say a kidney or, um, you know, whatever, then, um, that means I can't do X, Y, or Z. And I feel like that has caused this disparity in the list between available organs and people who need them. Um, and you know this belief is what makes the number of altruistic living donors very small and there are different types of donors so you have those who donate after they pass like we've talked about yeah you have people like me who donate specifically to people that they know um and then you have people who are true altruistic donors who you know say i'm healthy i'm willing to donate to a stranger for the greater good. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, it seems like the fear of not being able to live a similar life pre-donation is what I think causes this um, this large number of need yeah. for organs with a massive lack of living donors. Right. So, um, you know, in terms of the process for me and with my brother, um, my brother was sick for a year with an unrelated issue with his pancreas. Um, we don't know if that was from his genetic disorder. We don't know, basically. Like, my brother has been a scientific specimen for his yeah. whole life. Um, and the stress of this issue on his body with his pancreas caused his kidneys to fail much sooner than we um, anticipated. Yeah. And, um, you know, we say anticipated because we always knew from when he was diagnosed as a baby with uh, nail patella syndrome that one day down the line, he would need a kidney transplant. And I had always known, you know, he's two and a half years younger than me. Yeah. I had always known, you know, since I was old enough to understand 
that, you know, if I was healthy enough and we were matches, he would get my kidney. Or if I was healthy enough and we weren't a match, then I could donate to a stranger that would help him move higher on the list. Right. So um, in March of 2014, my brother and I flew to the University of Minnesota to begin testing to see if we would be a match. And um, that process, you know, involves different physical um, physical tests to just to see if you're a biological match, yeah. um, as well as, you know, tests on me, the donor, to make sure I'd be healthy enough to survive the surgery, um, you know, during the active surgery and then being able to recover post-surgery, living a healthy life with one kidney. So that's all about your lifestyle, you know, your diet, your extra exercise. And like, and like on a real, like emotional level, like how did that make you feel? Well, so, you know, sec- the secondary testing, which I would say now, so, um, you know, after eight years of this, which is the most important is the psychological testing that you do. And that's to ensure that mentally, um, you can make it through the trauma and recovery of surgery. And also, you know, it is a, it is a stressful, um, it's stressful on your psyche because you're watching somebody that, I mean, in my instance, you know, I'm watching someone I care about, um, you know, really suffer for a long time. And then, you know, you get this kind of almost like a high knowing that you're going to, you know, almost be in this heroic position to help them. And then that you have the surgery and that high kind of goes away. And now you're just laying in bed recovering and, and you're just like a you know, normal person again. sucks. Yeah. You know, like it's not fun. So, you know, you're then going from this high where like, you know, everyone's telling you how proud they are of you um, and how happy they are for you. And like, you know, that's all this great um, extrinsic mo- motivation yeah. to do this. But then that moment passes and suddenly, you know, the fanfare is over and you're just laying there in bed with, you know, a bunch of stitches going through your ass. Yeah. So, you know, you need to go through all this testing psychologically in order to, you know, make sure that you can kind of handle that. So, um, you know, my brother and I were as close of a physical match as possible and I passed all the psychological testing. Um, and, you know, once we had that, you know, it was full speed ahead. You know, my focus with this was to bring relief to my parents, to give my brother an opportunity to have the life that he deserved. And the only thing that was going to give me peace was to be in this role, um, you know, because watching him suffer physically and watching my parents, like, have the duress of watching him sick put me in this, like, support mode, you know? And there was no other way that was going to bring me peace mentally um, than me to go through the donation. Literally love you so much (laughs) no it's just like it's so rare in this world for people to care so much even if it's a sibling or whatnot but like to endure something that is mentally and physically so challenging for not just their brother but for the greater good to show an example that this is something that you can do and it's not going to be easy it's not easy for the person who's also on the receiving end either and it's just like super admirable of you to do this and i I I say this with tears in my eyes because I've seen you go through the process, but even still seeing you with a smile on your face, with your pearly white teeth and your tan skin, always like having such a positive attitude about it, just like it it shakes me up inside. Like it really, it, it, in the best way possible, making me want to like 
me of knowing that like I too can do that and like I hope anyone listening feels that too that it's like totally possible and there's ebbs and flows in everything we do in life in any way that you love or give back or anything there's always going to be a little downfall or an uprise or whatever it may be and I just think it's a magical thing that you were able to look beside all of the like negative aspects of it and be like I'm going to do it for the right reasons and that's the reason I'm doing it for Absolutely. And I mean, look, like it, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I smile through it because I have great pride to have been able to do this. I mean, now the circumstances obviously suck. Um, and I can't say that the way that I have processed this or other traumatic moments in my life have been the healthiest, but I've always been a huge proponent of therapy. I've spoken with therapists for as long as I can remember. And while that's all great at times, you know, my process of kind of dealing with these various traumatic experiences, I feel at times have made me very closed off, whether that's with significant others or family or friends. Um, And, you know, I have been someone who has always been a results-based person, you know, focused on getting to the next step and focusing on how I can process this and move forward. Less so about my emotions. And I've always felt, you know, uneasy when things are unsettled. Um, and what has always brought me comfort is sort of, you know, how when shit hits the fan, for lack of better words, yeah. how can I step up and take control? And how can I take care of everybody? And for me, like, you know, there's been times in my life where I've dropped everything to focus on not necessarily getting myself through difficult times, but to get the people around me because to watch, you know, the people around me suffer through things, regardless of how bad the situation was, was harder for me to cope with than, you know, for what I was going through. Um, You know, and obviously not to spend a lot of time on this, because isn't where we're, you know, chatting right now, but, you know, where we both relate. Like, um, I lost my mom three years ago, and it was a sudden um, random cancer diagnosis, and that was a huge blow to me. My mom was literally my world, like my she best was friend. your best friend. <laughs> and, you know, I think I'm still trying to find a way to probably cope with it because, you know, once it was finally over, um, I didn't really process it. I forced myself to almost deflect by handling everything for my family, whether that was uh, funeral arrangements, setting up a foundation in her name from stuff that she used to do that she was passionate about, um, the eulogy, the shivas. Um, really focusing on my helping my dad and my brother cope till you know right now I still don't believe that I've either even really emoted through it or like the stages of grief I don't even know if I ever got past the the initial shock frustration anger phase you know but it's just one of those things that it's not really my nature to kind of sit and emote and I don't know if that's healthy it might be it might be healthy for me but at the same time I've always been the biggest proponent of if if it's not coming out in the form of tears or in things like that it's going to come out vocally and i'm going to do that by you know having you know a really tight circle of people that i trust um to kind of get surface level with that beast but then also having you know a really solid therapist that i feel i can open up with yeah I uh, agree you know more. and i think that you know i feel like people oftentimes wait for that traumatic moment before they seek out help and at that point you're stuck 
and you're kind of like, oh shit, what do I do? Whereas, you know, I never really had that moment because it's almost like, you know, the first traumatic incident of my life happened, you know, when my brother was born sick. So, you know, it wasn't like I was going to therapy at two. Um, but by the time I can understand these various different things and other traumatic things that have happened in my life, I was already speaking to somebody. Right. So, you know, I've just always felt, you know, um, that that's so, so vital. Well, I think it's also, I think it's like goes with the nature of who you are that like, not saying I'm not optimistic, I am optimistic, but I like definitely wear my heart on my sleeve as I'm obviously crying. Like that's just who I am. If I'm having a really shitty day, I can obviously hide it, but the people who know me know and can see it. And I'm not saying you hide anything, but you just like control yourself really well. And I say that with like the best way, best intentions of all time, but you do, you control yourself with like a lot of charisma, a lot of class, you keep it together. And you're right. I don't know if that's a good thing sometimes. I have no idea. You're, you're totally right. Maybe that could be a defense mechanism sometimes, but I also think like what a wonderful thing it is to see tragedies come by and still be able to like find a bright side of something. No, absolutely. And while I was, so I was just on a, a trip throughout Europe and we stopped in uh, Africa and Egypt and Cairo, Crazy. living out my literal ultimate childhood dream so of cool. seeing the pyramids in real life. Um, I saw this poem in Arabic and I, if I had a trusty tattoo artist there, I would have gotten that instantly. Really? But so the, the poem, the poem translates to uh, what you hide in your heart is red in your eyes. And I couldn't think of something that probably suits me as a person more. Wow, you uh, need to get that like somewhere in your apartment. Like you need to get an artist. You know what I like, mean? Yeah. Exactly. I feel like, that. <laughs> yeah, like there's, there's definitely, you know, um, 100% truth to that statement, especially when it comes to me. And it was just like by dumb chance that I saw this poem and I just thought that it looked really cool in Arabic. And I asked our Egyptologist what it meant. And when he said that to me, I was completely floored. I was like, that is some kind of sign. I don't it know what, a, it is but a like sign. a freaky sign. So getting back to where you were, because <laughs> yeah. I could cry and cry. Um, <laughs> so as someone who's literally given their organ to their brother, how has this impacted your life? Totally. Um, you know, immediately post-surgery, um, like I said, psychologically, you know, you're dealing with, um, it's almost kind of like a come down or a letdown, like after, after a wedding or a birthday yeah, totally. or some kind of big event that you're looking forward to. Um, because, you know, I was obviously looking forward to this opportunity to bring some peace to the family and, um, you know, physically, I mean, besides the mental part, physically, I felt a little off because your body takes time to get used to overcompensating. Yeah. Um, you know, typically, you know, your body's used to having two kidneys to filter out the toxins. And when you have one, your body's working on overdrive. However, um, within hours of the surgery ending, my brother was a completely different person. That's it was crazy. literally the first time. Yeah. It was like the first moment in his life that he was 100%. And I had never seen him look the way that he looked. And like he had the color in his in his skin. He had energy and That's crazy. being able to yeah, being able to see that made my recovery so much better because the impact on his end was so immediate. Um, and from that, 
it changed the impact that like my parents, like my parents had this look of calm. I mean, of course there was massive stress to have both of their kids in serious surgery at the same time and in recovery. But you know, once they saw my brother, it was completely different. And all of these things made me feel so just grateful for the opportunity to give this gift to my brother. And, you know, this is something that this gift repays itself to me every single day since I donated on August 14th, 2014. Like my brother has lived with me now for six years. You know, we are super close. We hang together all the time. And, you know, my brother has been able to achieve his dreams. Like he is a social worker for kids. He helps kids that are going through hard times. And as someone who's been through hell and back himself, you know, I couldn't be more proud of someone who has seized the opportunities that have come his way um, now that he has his health. Ooh. I'm just like hysterically crying I just think like yeah, no, that in itself a... like seeing your brother's like the way he's living his life now and like giving knowing that like you contributed a, even a morsel of it like that's such a beautiful thing and the fact that he is living his life like actually like living yeah. a lot you know what I mean like some people probably get organs donated and don't like actually live their life to the fullest so like to hear that he's a social worker and doing the things and having a job and enjoying his life and all these things and the fact that like you immediately saw like the color come back in his face like that enough would be enough for me to be like my let's pretend scenario my mom if this were my mom to be able to be like oh my god she's a person again like this is fucking crazy like that's just it's just I'll probably say that's beautiful a billion times, but that's just fucking beautiful. Like that's, and to be able to see that every day and like you say that you lived with your brother for the last six years, but like, I'm sure it's been nothing short of like, I'm sure your, your brothers, you probably have fights, but I'm sure it's been like incredible all the time. Yeah. Every day you're like, we're brothers. (laughs) At the end of the day, we're still brothers. Um, but no, it's probably still amazing at the end of the day when you guys like decompress about like what you guys did today. It's like amazing to hear that he had a day. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, 100%. like even just 100%. that in itself, that he like has stuff to talk about besides like being in pain or like uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Because his identity for, you know, his whole life was that he was the patient. Now his identity is he's the person, you know, like Maddie, the patient had, you know, a really shitty, he was dealt a shitty card, yeah. you know, a shitty hand, if you will. Um, Maddie, the person you know, takes full advantage of every opportunity that he has. I mean, he just got back from volunteering at a woman's shelter or a, a, a kid, female kids shelter in Jamaica, um, you know, with, with little, with girls who have been abused and things like that. And he helped them out. Um, and, you know, he does all different kinds of great things. And that's, you know, a testament to, you know, him as a person and like, you and know, him valuing his own life to do these things. Yeah, and him valuing his own life and valuing the life of others and wanting to, like, be there for people. Whether he, if he can't, like, donate an organ, being there emotionally to support, like, these girls in Jamaica or whatever whatever it may be. Like, to be of the, whatever support he can be, like, that's where the beauty lies. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's just so special. So what I, what I want to end on, because this is the big thing that's exciting. Let's talk about the adventure you're about to go on. 
And I really, sure. and, and I want you, this is all you. This is your baby. This is your thing. So you just like lay it on me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And this is the fun part. I mean, listen, like everything prior is heavy. Yeah. And <laughs> the, funny, the funny part of the story is, you know, my brother is really the empath. Like I may come off a certain way, but like I'm known as like, the hardened brother. Like, Mind you, I just like shrugged my shoulders, put my like iPad down and was like, okay, now I can relax. There's no more crying. Yeah, now you can relax. Um, Because this is all just fun. Yeah. So every year since I donated my kidney, I've been trying to dispel the myths around being a living donor and all about the quote unquote risks people think it brings to your life. Like, look, I can literally walk outside of Manhattan right now after this and get hit by a bus. Totally. Or a city bike, and that would fuck my life up even more. Totally. So that wouldn't kill me. Yeah, you you know, that would hurt a lot more than a bus. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the same time, like, it's not, it's it's more risky to do that than, you know, donating and saving someone's life. Yeah. Like, modern medicine um, now is what our parents saw as science fiction, you know? And who knows what in medicine is going to change in the future right. to mitigate these, these quote-unquote risks. Um, you know, like you have the same risks as getting your tonsils taken out. Totally. And donating an organ. Mind but you, I got anyway. my tonsils taken out when I was 25. So like, <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> so you're a survivor, you know. Um, but anyway, um, each year I try to do some kind of challenge to inspire people to donate. One year I jumped out of a plane. Another year I went shark diving. Another year I ran the marathon in New York, which is something I never, ever wanted to do. I, I do not like to run. But I did it to prove a point. Right. Um, and it was literally that if I can donate an organ and somehow will myself to do this, you can donate an organ and live whatever kind of life you want. If that is, you know, super active, if it's super sedentary, whatever, you could do whatever it is you want. So this year, my plan is to take this one kidney of mine up Kili, which is short for Mount Kilimanjaro. And that is the world's largest freestanding mountain. Um, just over 19,300 feet in Tanzania, Africa. So, um, you know, do I, do I see myself as a mountain climber or as someone who wants to climb up a mountain that high? Not particularly. Um, I do love traveling and I want to travel and see different places in the world. But, you know, really what my goal with this is, um, you know, deep down is that um, people will see this and say, hey, I can donate an organ and do whatever I want. Yeah. And, um, you know, to, like I, like I keep saying to give somebody an organ is truly to give someone the ultimate gift. And that's the gift of life to someone else. And I say it's the ultimate gift because you're not just impacting the person you're donating the organ to. You are in, you are impacting that person's entire circle, their family, their friends, their coworkers, all the people associated with this person, who are in some way suffering from seeing someone they care about being sick. Right. So the whole purpose of this is to be a rallying cry to as many people out there just to consider donating an organ, blood, stem cells, whatever it is, because you truly don't um, understand the positive impact that this act of kindness achieves until you live it. You know, like I thought I would understand but I truly didn't until maybe even years after when, you know, I saw my brother take full advantage of the life he now gets to live. So, um, you know, just by having me being able to kind of talk 
about this and giving me, you know, an open forum to discuss it, you know, you're doing plenty to help. Um, And I'm incredibly (laughs) thankful. Um, You know, but like I am, I'm doing this to raise awareness. Uh, I'm also raising funds for the Kidney Foundation. Within two days, we hit 25,000 raised. Um, And I decided to like, screw it, let's try to get 100. So I'm doing this family, friends, and you know, we have potential corporate sponsors who want to support um, but for me, this is not just about me hitting the summit. It's not about raising a hundred grand. It's a, it's if one person follows this journey and decides to become a living donor, then this whole thing was a success because I can't be the only person who sees this process this way. Yeah. Someone will, someone else will live this and it will, it will travel beyond me. You know, this, this will be, it's not my legacy alone. Totally. It's, Someone else will donate. They will feel the same pride that I have felt and they're going to do their own thing to convince other people to donate. So if one person just sees this whole thing and they decide, you know, to consider this and go through the process, then this whole thing was an epic success. Absolutely. And we'll see what the challenge is for next year. You never know. Literally, you never fucking know. And you know, I want to end this on the note that one, I hope you know I've always been an organ donor since age 16. Will always be one. I've always, if, if my mom or any good friend were here, I've always said, like, God forbid something happened to you. I hope you know, like, I would do whatever I could to help you. And I think, I think that comes from a place of, and I say this mostly for you, just being completely selfless like really having it in yourself to just be like no 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 when i say it i really mean it and you have actually walked the walk and talked the talk and for that i have to tell you like i would have if something if something happened to my mom tomorrow and she needed a kidney it wouldn't even be a fucking question like at all whatsoever but even more so after listening to you that's even less of a question it's not even a question it's like oh she needs a kidney let's rush us over wherever the fuck I need to get to. Like for me, I hope you know that from what I see of this, I only see like, like I want to be a better person. Like I literally am like, how do we end this video chat and we be like, where can I go or do Like where can, what can, what can I do? Like what, what can people, you know what? This is what I'm going to end it on. What can people who can't donate do? People who Because there are people donate. who can't. Yeah. No, look, there's, there's a lot of things that you could do. Um, and it's just simply to be there for those that if you know someone yeah. who, you know, needs a donation and, you know, can't, and you can't do it, then it's, it's just being a sounding board, yeah. you know, and being that person. If it's someone who's going through, a, um, you know, an issue with their kidneys, um, you know, if you can get cleared to go sit with them while they're in dialysis, because that yeah. is a, a long process when you have to go through that each day or each week. Um, you know, to spend, be alone for a long time while you kind of go through that. Um, otherwise, you know, help that person out, um, in terms of getting their message out there. Um, you know, I had a, uh, I had a friend who needed a kidney and we helped him, um, spread his message. He wore a shirt at Disney world and he went viral, um, because really? he had a shirt with, that said he was looking for a kidney. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have people all the time reach out to me um, specifically for kidneys because I um, work on the board yeah. of the Kidney Foundation in New York right. um, and help them with their walks and their various different events. Um, but, you know, if you can't donate, all you can do is, you know, just be there for that person. Yeah. Um, if you know someone and if not, 
then, you know, maybe this isn't, this isn't the space for you to be active in, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't go on like an awareness walk or you shouldn't go, um, you know, donate funds to however you can. Totally, like even become more aware. If you can't do something, become aware of like things. Listen, you don't have to, you don't have to have surgery to be, you know, to be a donor, you know, all it is is time at a certain point. However, you think that that time is best spent, um, you know, whether that's being there for somebody or contributing to an organization or even just working as part of the organization. Yeah. Um, well, you know, there's lots when, you know, I want to end this on a positive note because I could go back sure. and back to like it going sad, but I don't want to because it's not a sad thing. It's actually such a beautiful thing. And I only want to raise awareness to the fact that this is something that benefits not only the person that you're helping, but yourself as well, because it is, you are becoming a much better human being by, by offering not just like your voice, but like something else along the lines as well. So I guess like what I really want to end on is what do you hope to gain from this Kilimanjaro trip? Because this is, this is a really, this this is a really big, huge hike. Like I've done a lot of really, I've done a lot of really crazy hikes in my life. This one's a really fucking crazy one. And I would love to know what your, what your expectations, hopes, thoughts, all of that before we end this. Absolutely. Because I hope you know when you come back from it, I want to record another one telling me everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, I 100% hope to hit the summit as well as make it down in one piece. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work, um, both physically and nutritionally and psychologically to, um, you know, understand my body, understand my mind, yeah. but also understand the route that I'm going to take. Yeah. Um, you know, except there are, there are risks associated with anything like this. Of course. Um, and then, you know, on a spiritual side, this is going to be the highest point I get to kind of have a conversation again with my mom. So I'm really stoked to be able to go up there and just have a little chat and, you know, I'll drop a good word over to your pop and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a little moment and, uh, I'm going to bring a little shot of tequila with me up there. So I'll have a quick little shot on the top. That's literally like the nicest thing you could have ever said. Literally. Oh, Cor, I literally, I don't have words. I am crying. I love you madly, deeply. I feel so lucky that you walked into my yoga class eight years ago and decided to choose my fucking random first class ever. It was a bomb class, Lex. I really appreciate it. But above all, like, I appreciate, I hope you know how much, first of all, I hope people out there recognize you never know who you might meet that may be in your life forever because now you're, you're stuck with it. It's been eight years now. You're with me now forever. But like you never know what person is going to come into your life and how they're going to affect it or show you a different world or whatnot. And I feel lucky all the time that like you did come and that we went to a Jets game and that we maintained a relationship. And even though moving studios and boyfriends and girlfriends and this and that, we always like kept a connection because we both had something in common we had a lot of loss in common and that's a sad thing to have but that that's a connection and that's something people vibe with sadly but truly and i will always be i just want you to know i will always be infinitely grateful that you did step into that class because my mind has been so expanded since i met you i mean from first from your brother's journey that was just one crazy thing 
beyond belief. And then your mom seeing you go through that was such a tough thing, but such a beautiful thing because you handled it with such grace. And again, the way that you just mentioned when you get up to Mount Kelly, like that'll be the closest you'll be to your mom. Like that's what sets you apart from like a lot of other human beings that like most people wouldn't look at that being like at the top is at the highest place is where I'm going to see my mom. Like that is what separates you from fucking everyone. And I just need you to know that. And I'm not like putting you on a pedestal. I'm just saying like many men <laughs> and humans don't think that way. And I look forward to seeing that selfie at the top of the mountain and hearing about the talk you had with your mom and I know that you're going to do it and you're going to crush it and you're going to do it right. And I like, like everything you do, I really look forward to it. And I feel really, really fucking lucky to be your friend. No, thank you. And you know, I have an incredible amount of love for you and I'm so thankful to be able to, you know, be on here and to have the opportunity to spread the message and, and everything like that. And, you know, I owe you a couple of hugs now for the tears. <laughs> and listen, I'm going to make sure to have all of the links to everything for all organ awesome. donation. Yeah, you'll send me everything. I'll make sure it's in the show link description. And Core, I love you so much. I hope you have the best rest of your day. You have made me cry. You've made me laugh. You've made me think. You've made my heart beat. And for that, I couldn't be more thankful. So... I love you. Thank you for coming on The Vibe and everyone have a vibey day.